action sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episodes or episode or ideas for future episodes, please contact us. Father, two easy ways to do that are... You could email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you could tweet at us. Tweet, tweet. SF Diocese use the hashtag ignition. S-F-D-I-O-C-E-S-E use the hashtag ignition. Happy New Year, Father. Happy New Year. Who are you, though? Who am I? Why am I here? Is that the old... Uh, um uh, I'll tell you who I am, but uh, don't forget. There's the old uh, Dana Carvey routine when um, Ross Perot was running for president in '92, <laughs> yeah, was it? Yeah, 92. and uh, he had picked that admiral. Oh my god! Yeah, and they had the vice presidential debate, and he's like, "Who am I? Why am I here?" And uh, Phil, 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 Hartman. Phil Hartman did that. Yeah. He's like, "Who am I? Why am I here?" All right. So, anyways, who am I? Uh, <laughs> Oh, Phil Hartman, a lonely nation, yeah. turns its eyes to thee. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Father Andrew Dickinson, I'm a priest of the Diocese of Sioux Falls, uh, still with faculties somehow from our bishop. Somehow. And, uh, I am under the radar. Under the radar. Uh, I'm the pastor of St. Paul's Parish in White, South Dakota, and the director of the Pius XII Newman Center at South Dakota State University in Brookings, bringing the Catholic faith to students, faculty, and staff. Amen. And I, again, name is Chris Bergwald, Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. My wife and I have been in Sioux Falls for 13 years now, Father. I know you, you are Lucky number 13. fair son of the state of South Dakota. Yeah, um, Native. Well, not, I mean, not, I mean, I'm, I'm not a member of like a Lakota tribe or oh, something right, like that. Yes. Yeah. Born <laughs> in the state of, um, we, so husband first, father second, five Beautiful children. Beautiful children. We're not here to talk about who of us, though. No. We we're here are, to talk about you. We're, we're so I'm, I'm still, behind your back. You know, last time, what we're going to do today is, is, is we're going to continue our occasional series on the books of the Bible. We, we, we began with the New Testament, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, of the apostles, St. Paul's letter to the Romans, St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, and now uh, today we'd like to look at St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Um, a lot of this, if you listen to the first episode, a lot of the details are, are, are the same. Corinth is still Corinth. Paul is still Paul. But we'll recap if you if you weren't able to listen to that first episode, um, which you can still do so in our archives. Um, at the end of the show, we'll, we'll mention where you can find uh, listen to past episodes of Ignition. Um, but but we'll recap a little bit about who, uh, not so much about who Paul is, but a little bit about the the first letter briefly, the second letter, and and Corinth. So we again we call it Saint Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Um, Saint Paul refers to himself as the author. It, it, this letter letter has universally been attested to him. There hasn't been much. 
there's maybe there's conversation about well maybe it's a mashup of a couple of letters, but in terms of who the author is, uh, modern biblical scholars, ancient church tradition has always attributed it to Saint Paul. Right. Um, it's but it's also you know if if you read some of Saint Paul's letters are are, are very focused on 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 our faith, the theology, you know what. Jesus Christ, who he is, particularly what he has done for our salvation. Second Corinthians, Father, is a very personal letter, one of his most autobiographical right. ones. Um, it's less systematic in some right, ways. Right, right, And it's mostly about him kind of seeking to repair uh, his standing amongst the church in Corinth. Right, right. As we'll see, we can talk about the, some of the themes and, and the purpose for which he's writing. Um, there, there, there's some division in Corinth, particularly with regard to Paul and his standing and his authority as uh, to proclaim the gospel as an apostle. But we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, it, it was written like the first letter to the Corinthians, um, most likely during Paul's third missionary journey. So we're looking at probably late in the year 56. He'd written the first letter earlier that year, uh, and yet in the same year, 56 AD, wrote the second letter to the Corinthians, and but probably wrote this one from, from northern Greece. So, Father, anything about Corinth, though, that, that you think would be uh, worth sharing? Like, what was typical of the city of Corinth at the time? Well, uh, we know, I mean, it was a, a commercial hub, and so it was uh, almost kind of like the New York City of its day. Right. In okay. some ways, I mean, a lot, a lot of transactions, a lot of business flowing through there, uh, kind of an entryway in uh, two parts of uh, a group. It was also a, a Roman, uh, a capital of a Roman province, and so that also brings a lot of traffic in because just business would have to be happening there. Um, and whenever there's business, there's the things that go along with it right. in various ways. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, there's entrepreneurs, tourists, uh, a lot of pagan shrines, gladiatorial games, uh, shameless immorality, ruthless spirit of competition. Um, so all these things kind of just going on in the millwork uh, at the time uh, in, in the town of Corinth. Right. And, and this is where, um, about five years previously, around 51 AD, Paul had established the church. He'd planted the church, as some put it, where he'd proclaimed the gospel and a community had begun to sprout. Where is that in Acts? Do we know where that is in Acts? Uh, where, where does he go to Corinth? Yeah. Um, Google's got to tell 16, for some reason, is coming to mind, but I'm mm. not positive about that. We shall that. find it. I think, I think it's after... The Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15. 18. In 18? Yep. Okay. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Okay. Pretty straightforward. There we go. <laughs> Didn't have to read for any hidden clues there. For the first time, though? Because uh, he... he... I'm, looking, I'm looking in the Bible right now. Part of what he, uh, dear listeners, part of what St. Paul... Um... Well, I think it was to Athens right after the Council of Jerusalem. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering if he'd already been to Corinth once. Corinth once previously. Well, after after the council, he goes to Derby, into Lystra, Troas. I don't think he goes to Corinth before that. Okay. Okay. I'll keep kind of slowly digging you, in the you, background. Okay, and I'll keep doing whatever it is that I'm doing. Okay, so we should start rolling again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> No. So, oh, you're, oh, you're still there. Oh, oh. Uh, yeah. We hope we haven't lost you yet. Um, <laughs> so, so he planted the church 51. It sounds like probably after um, Athens. Yeah. Um, uh, Do we know when the Council of Ath- or the Council year? of Jerusalem was? Uh, well, I think 
50-ish. Okay. Yeah, late 40s, if not 50 okay. AD. Um, so the church is young, um, and as as young, you know, as, as for those of you who have seen, as most of us have, young children trying to take their first steps, a little bit wobbly, a little yeah. bit unstable. And that was sep- step, certainly step the, swap. Yeah, that was certainly the case of the church in Corinth, um, trying to get its legs under it, trying to, to grow and mature as a community of disciples. Um, it, it had some instability to it. There was some internal division um, and, and, and divided loyalties within the church in Corinth. And particularly what Paul now is in his second letter responding to um, is the, the, the fact, the event, the reality of outsiders, uh, people who were not Corinthians, who had come in to the church claiming to be apostles themselves, and they were turning the Corinthians against St. Paul, attacking Paul's legitimacy as an apostle, um, and claiming instead that that they should be followed, if you will. Yeah, so building up that, and so this is what he's uh, having to reestablish himself, right? In that way, right, right, yeah. Right. Um, so we're, but, you, you tell something like that. We just we think of Christianity as being so systematized, and we forget just about how almost precarious. I mean, the faith was in that way, right? You know, and uh, uh, just kind of those roots in that regard. It's just, it's, it's invigorating to think about say, that. Say, say more about that, though. Well, just, uh, you know, I, we, why would you just think, oh, yeah, it's Christianity. It's been around forever. We know what it is sort of thing. Um, and we, like, we could think of the Bible. We're, we're, <laughs> this is going to sound insulting in some ways. Um, <laughs> but we're kind of like people in the heart of New York City going to the grocery store and thinking that's where beef comes from. Oh, does that make sense? Yeah, you, that's us today. That's us today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that? Oh, yeah. I mean, we just go to the grocery store and get beef. I mean, that's how I make a hamburger. I mean, anyone knows that, right? And we have no clue about like, you know, uh, the packing plant, the butcher, uh, the, the livestock rancher. auction, uh, the rancher, the feeder cattle. You know, all these different things that go into play. Right. Right. You know, uh, a rancher going and analyzing the droppings of his cows to see if they're getting adequate nutrition from what he's feeding them. Right. You know, um, that that's kind of us about the faith. So not aware of the, for the church as a whole, not just in Corinth, but sort of the, the wobbly start that the church got off to in so many ways. We, you know, we, we know as they presumably they knew, we know now that the, um, the church has always been, we, I mean, not now as in we learned it. We've always known the church has been guided by the power of the Holy Spirit. So from the very beginning, as it's learned, as it's growing and so on, it's guided by the power of the Holy Spirit. But that does not mean that in every particular episode or every instance of the church's infancy that things were going to go well. The church as a whole was guided by the Holy Spirit. But right. just as in our do- own day and age, there are specific um, instances in which failure was experienced. Right. Which, which is appropriate for uh, a faith founded upon uh, the resurrection. Right. You know, our Lord brought his body out of death. Right. And so why should we be surprised if he allows his body, uh, the church, to experience what appears to be death? Right. Right. So, there, so I mean, that's, you know, we see that in our own day and age, maybe initiatives, you know, me as, 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 a, as a layman working for the church, you as a priest of the church, <laughs> things we try that fail. Right. That's actually one of my, what's like my only complaint about seminary is that I was, I never was allowed to experience normal parish life, which 
always involves trying something and failing. Right. Right. You know, I was always like plugged into DRE or some other program, which was good. And I learned a lot, but I never got that experience of like, oh yeah, let's try this. And I'm excited about it. And it falls on its face. Right. But then seeing that our Lord still might bring life out of it. Right. Right. So, so that's, Again, that's always been part of the church's experience, and and the church in Corinth was was experiencing that early on, the first few years of its existence. Um, so what, what I want to talk about next is getting into the purpose and some of the themes and characteristics of this letter. But Father, before we do so, it should would be good to if you were just tuning in, uh, what you're listening to. Yeah, so you're listening to Ignition, uh, either uh, on podcast or on the Lamb Catholic Radio, and I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And I'm... Fu- uh, oh! <laughs> Dr. Chris Bergwald. <laughs> I'm just really enjoying it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I'm a father, but that's not my title. No. But, uh, uh, well, technically, I suppose you could say my title yeah, is Reverend. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Anyways, anyway, that's not a topic for right now. No. Uh, the... Um, it's, and uh, you're listening to Ignition, and if you have any questions, aside from like <laughs> questioning our sanity or professionalism... You can question that, you too. You can question that, too. But uh, if you want things... If you want to follow up, sometimes we'll even just follow up with you in an email, or sometimes we'll put it on the show if you have a suggestion or things like that. You could email ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you could tweet uh, you at the SF Diocese Twitter handle. That's SF, as in Sioux Falls, D-I-O-C-E-S-E. Hashtag ignition and we'll follow up with you. Right. So, so any questions you have about this episode, tweet to us or email. Us. So let's let's get into purpose and then themes and characteristics a bit, Father. Um, some of the purposes for which Saint Paul wrote this second letter now to the Corinthians. Right. So, um, you know, as we just talked about, his relationship, his status was being challenged, so he had to strengthen his relationship uh, with his supporters there. And keep them, encourage them from falling into the claims of the false apostles. Is this where they talk about the super apostles? I, it might be, actually. Okay. Super apostles. Oh, yes. Oh, well, you're an apostle. I'm a super apostle. I got nothing on that. Me either. Yeah. Hyper <laughs> apostolos. Hyper? Would it be hyper apostolos? Probably. Yeah. Looks, it looks like hyper, but yeah, it'd be pronounced. Hyper. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so... Encouraging supporters and then also defending his own apostolic authority, which probably in a sense an apologetic uh, in that way to give an explanation for himself. Yeah, I think, and I think it's worth talking a little bit about that briefly. That's so, a dominant. I mean, you. I mean, he keeps going back to that again and again and again when you read Second Corinthians. And if if somebody, so if somebody maybe not very familiar at all with church language, hears apologetic. This is an apologetic letter. Um, I'm he's sorry. not apologizing. Somebody more familiar might think of well, that, that apologetics. That's where you explain and defend what the church teaches, and so on, which is true, also. But this uh, slightly different. What Paul isn't explaining or defending so much a specific teaching, but himself, he, but himself, his role, his authority as an apostle. Uh, so that goes back to what we said at, at, at it's like it's like when someone uh it's like when a star a hollywood star goofs up and gets recorded doing something wrong or bad and so they get the uh 60 minutes or yeah. e hollywood yeah. tonight interview with sit down and say well actually what i was really trying to do although that I mean paul's actually never done anything wrong in this case right yeah, right he's falsely accused he's defending his authority as an apostle yep um so so apologia pro vita sua it's, Blessed John Henry Carlumen. Yes, his, 
his autobiography, right? An apology right. for his life, an explanation for his life. So we, we talked at the, out, the top of the show how this is a more autobiographical work right, of St. Right. Paul's, and we're seeing that here where he's explaining and defending and asserting his apostolic authority. That's not all he's doing. That's maybe the focus of the, of the letter, but that's not all he's doing. He's still thinking about others as well. Right, and so uh, one of his main kind of apostolic, one of his main outreaches in this letter would be uh, to raise money for the church and the poor in Jerusalem. Right. Where they're uh, receiving a lot of, uh, they're having a lot of struggles. They're be, I mean, uh, uh, a lot of struggles in, in finding their place in Jerusalem. Um, bad things are going to start to happen within a, you know, a decade and a half of this yep. injury, but they're already starting to happen. In a certain sense there. So asking for a collection from the Corinthians to Jerusalem. Right, right. Yeah. So showing, um, you know, that's showing, again, this is, uh, again, around 56 AD, uh, the traditional date for Jesus' death on the cross, 33 AD. So the church within the, within the first 20, and we saw earlier, but still the first 25 years of its existence, the church is mindful of care for one another. Right. Yeah, yeah, that the church is one, even though uh, divided by space and time. Right. Yeah. So you think about, I mean, Corinth in in Greece, mm-hmm. um, Jerusalem. I mean, it's not like you know, you know, we just don't hop in the car and drive on over to to Jerusalem. We have to go over a peninsula. Exactly. Right. So it's, it's and yet there is this one church, as you were just saying. Yeah, and uh, um, I'm actually googling right now, like the difference from like Cor- the di- from Corinthia, the Greece. Yeah. <laughs> if you find it, let us know. Well, it's in kilometers. Oh. And so uh, the direct route going over uh, with some sea passage would be 2,500 kilometers. Okay. Yeah. And if you're going like over land, you'd be at 5,000 kilometers. So uh, 2,500 kilometers is 1,553 well, f- miles. 5K would be 3,100 miles. There you go. Because a 5K would be 3.1 miles. So 31, yeah, exactly. So long way. Who said running wouldn't get It's a anyway? long way. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a circuitous route anyway. But, um, yeah, so he's caring for the church in Jerusalem. Also, you know, a little tangent question, but, I mean, hey. Um, we uh, um, Every year we have the Peter's Pence collection, right. which is for the Holy Father's works. Why don't we have, like, a Paul's Pence? I mean, because... <laughs> We got dead air here. Yeah, <laughs> as you're thinking about, but I'm just thinking because he was the first one to write about that collection. Right, right. I'm just saying. I don't know. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I don't know. That's a great question, but I'm not afraid to say that on air to the world. I don't. Know. <laughs> so, what else, Father, about this uh, letter? Keeper apostolos. Uh, and then also to confront the false apostles and their followers and teachings, just kind of like. Laying out, like, hey, yeah, dude, no. What? <laughs> yeah, hey, dude, no. Okay. Yes. Yeah, and hey, he, dude, no. I And he's also saying, uh, he's also telling the Corinthians, I'm coming back and heaven's coming with me. No, actually, well, yes, heaven in the sense of the life-saving teachings and sacraments of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But doesn't he also talk about like, oh, he's very bold in his letters and he's very quiet when he's with us. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Why does he write so firmly and then speak so softly? What do you think? Teddy Roosevelt. Oh. Speak softly. Carry, Carry a big, big stick. stick. Yep. 
Yep. Also, too, um, what is it? Uh, a priest, a friend of mine, a dear priest, uh, he's deceased now. He was a, a spiritual director in the seminary and confessor, Father Ralph Drendel. Um, he'd always talk about how, you know, you're a lion on the pulpit and a lamb in the confessional. Mm, right. You know, this is sin. This is wrong. I forgive you for your sins. Do you, th- I think that's actually, a, I think it's good to point out because for people who maybe don't frequent the sacrament of reconciliation yeah. so often, they might not realize that. Right. That, that the, the lion you see in the pulpit, you don't see in the confessional. Yeah. Not a kitten though, a lamb. Yes. Yeah. No, just no, dude, just no. Okay. <laughs> so let's get into, as we're moving toward the last five minutes or so of, of the show uh, today, um, some themes and characteristics that we find in this letter. Do you think this is kind of a personal letter? Uh, well, based on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am an apostle. I mean it. I'm serious. <laughs> I'll prove it to you. Uh, I've got very, my tattoo. <laughs> um, uh, personal, emotional. I think yeah, we see emotional. we see in the letter both the lion and the lamb. I mean his his tenderness, but also his tenacity in defending like like like. Well, I, just going to the next point, you know, he this is a spiritual father whose children are rebelling against him and rejecting him, and so like any dad in that situation, he's going back and forth between you know this tenderness, like my children. Right. I love you. Look what I've done for you. And on the other hand, and look what I'm willing to do for you still. Exactly. And then on the other hand, are you kidding me? I never once burdened you. <laughs> right. Right. I, right. I, I didn't take what was owed to me. You know, I could have asked for support from you for me, but no, I worked when I was with you. Right. Right. I worked as a tent maker. And uh, there's a line I love in here, which is in Second uh, Corinthians 6, uh, where he talks about opening your heart to me. You know, uh, our mouth is... What op- verse is this? Second uh, Corinthians 6, 11 to 13. Uh, our, mouth, our mouth is open to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide. Our heart is wide. I mean, just, I mean, he's inviting them to see his, his the, the largeness of his love, the, the magnanimity that right. he has, which really means largeness of heart. Our right. heart is open to you. Um, our, you are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections, Right. So you're not restricted by us. You're restricting yourself towards me. Right. And then he asks them just very beautifully in verse 13, uh, in return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. He's asking for them to have wide hearts for him. Right. Which I just, ah, it's just, that, that's that tenderness. Right. And I, there's, there's a reading in the Office of Readings uh, that priests pray uh, and other people can pray every day if they want to. There's a second reading where someone's, commenting on that just how beautifully he writes just you know how gen- open your hearts to me right you know he right, could right. say you know you're not loving me you're not doing what you should do but just how tenderly he says open wide your hearts to me and then um we can that is if you will the literal sense but then thinking about that and the father's love for us you know we're the, the re, this is in scripture because it's an inspired word which has some application to us as well this is paul writing but it's also first and foremost god writing to the corinthians and god writing to each and every one of us without a doubt yeah so so everything we're talking about here about you know um the corinthians rebelling against paul and his authority and so we do the same thing to our heavenly Father, not just our earthly spiritual, our spiritual Father or our earthly Father. We do the same thing to our heavenly Father. Right, right. So that call from God through the Apostle Paul for us to be opening wide our hearts to Him. Yep, yep. 
So, so again, this very personal, emotional letter, uh, Paul seeing his, his spiritual children rebelling against him, re- even rejecting him, and therefore he's defending, as we were saying earlier, his apostolic authority. The, the truth of the matter is God has qualified St. Paul for this. He has empowered him to do this. And it's interesting to me, Father, that, that his, his badge, the tattoo, if you will, mm-hmm. that Paul points uh. to is not all the great stuff he's done. Right. Instead... It's, it's, it's his weakness. Right. The suffering that he is He endured. boasts about his suffering for the sake of the Lord. Exactly. That I don't do this for pay. I'm not a hired laborer. I am a shepherd who loves his sheep. Right, right, right. And all the sufferings he's undergone is undergoing at their hands, but has undergone. That's what he points to to prove his apostolic authority. Yeah. Which, that's just like, you know, Christ came to save us. How? By dying on the cross. The, the counterintuitive nature of our faith that he saves us by dying. Right, right. Saves us but from death by dying himself. Well, and he saves us by us killing him. Right, yes. We find life by killing him. Right. St. Paul proves his power and authority by pointing to his weakness and his suffering. I think of like, is it First or Second Timothy where he talks about, of all sinners, I am the greatest. Right. Because he realizes, now, he might not have been there, apparently wasn't there in Jerusalem when Christ died, but... Uh, he knew that by his persecution of Christians, Stephen and others, that he had killed Christ. Right. In that right. Way. Yep. So, Father, we got a, a, just under a couple minutes to go. Any passages you, you alluded to? Well, the, uh, the one that kind of ties in with this, I think, would be 2 Corinthians 12, uh, okay. 7 to 9, where he's, he's talking about his weakness. He's boasting in his weakness. But it's a great thing for us to think about for the spiritual life. Right. Right. That uh, in my weakness, he strengthens me. Right. And, and, and so weakness isn't a cause for shame, uh, like we think it is like the eyes of this world measure it, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 9, you know, uh, our Lord says to him in his weakness, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I love that line. Yeah. Uh, and he, he, in our world, we live in such kind of a... a a Baconian world. I like to use that phrase, but the world of St. Francis Bacon, knowledge is power. Not St. Francis Bacon. There's no St. Francis Bacon. Oh, okay. Sir, I Sir Francis. Didn't I say sir? He's, oh, I thought like saint, but maybe oh, you said sir. Sorry. I meant to say sir. Okay. Um, listen to what I meant, not what I actually said. <laughs> but um, the uh, uh, but just this idea that, I mean, we have to have power and control, and if right. we don't have power and control, we're helpless. Yes. And St. Paul is saying, you know, you know what? Cry out to God in your power. And in that line, he's basically saying the Beatitudes. Yep. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12, I think. But yeah, he's basically saying the Beatitudes by saying, in my uh, in my weakness, God's power can be made manifest. Right, right. And this again, this is these are words that he tells us, the Lord said to him, hmm. um, my power is made perfect in weakness. My so, God's power is made perfect in my weakness. Yeah. And so don't run from your weakness. Don't be afraid of your weakness but rather pray in that spot of your weakness that the power of God might might come in that way. And the power of the resurrection can come. Resurrection can only come from death. I think that's a great way as we start the new year, something to reflect on. And with that, we will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or tweet to us at sfdiocese, use the hashtag Ignition with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for, for, for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition podcast in the iTunes store. 
Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.